Relationships have their ups and downs. But what do you do when you start to see signs that your relationship might be unhealthy? How do you cope? How do you recognize those signs? And when should you leave? Today, we learn more about toxic relationships. Thanks for listening and subscribing to Learning More. It's Russ with you. And today we are talking about toxic relationships. I am joined by Dr. Marnie Hill Fodorero. Marnie, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, Russ, thank you so much for having me on Learning More. So, okay, you're an author. You've got your latest book, uh, God Came to My Garage Sale. And you've got a couple of other books. Uh, You've got a series of books. Can you tell us a little about those? Yeah, sure. I um yeah, I did write my first major writing endeavor was a spiritual fiction called God Came to My Garage Sale. Um but then I went on to write about domestic violence and narcissistic abuse and parental alienation and then also through the writing intergenerational family trauma became a topic to discuss as well. But the the three book series that I have out right now It's called True Deceit, False Love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it is very prominently endorsed by many influencers in the abuse recovery community. And they have found value in in this series, which is awesome. Hopefully it will help, you know, even if it just helps one person out there, you know, that's good. It's been certainly very healing for me. But there's three different books in the series right now. And I'm working on a fourth. If this is the the topic of choice for your books, there's got to be a story behind this. Can you tell us a, a little about your experience with this? Yeah, sure. You know, I was just going along living the American dream, um, raising my family in the Chicago suburbs. I was getting close to retiring from a 35-year career as a special ed high school teacher, Mm. um, 12 of those years as an adjunct professor at the university level. And uh, so all was going okay, but, you know, I, I knew that, you know, my marriage was... Um, there were some concerns about my relationship with, with my okay. ex-husband, my values of honesty and goodness and, and love and working together was just very different than his values. And, you know, it's very easy for us, for many people, men and women to just stay in relationships, just plug along because that's what we're familiar with. Um, And in my case, I was married for 27 years before I decided to make a change. But there was a defining moment when I really knew I needed to um, finally pay attention to the red flags and look out for myself. And and actually, it wasn't until after filing for divorce that um, so much of my world came crashing down where I had so many significant losses. And, And it's almost like you know, I didn't really realize that I was in the midst of domestic violence, domestic mm. abuse, but I was for many years. But, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and that's what happens right. to a lot of people is yeah. when they finally remove themselves from a situation, they can really look at it for what it really was, um, you know, kind of take off the rose colored glasses. And, you know, you you end up losing, losing everything, you know, in my case, my home, my money, um, my support system, friends, family, neighbors. I, you know, I was fortunate. I didn't lose my job 
And, um, you know, he tried, but I didn't lose my health. And, uh, but the, the devastating part was I lost two adult children to parental alienation. And that was just very, very shocking. That really. What, what is parental alienation? Well, you know, and it's funny, a lot of people don't know it by name, but they might know it because they're either experiencing it or they know someone else that has. But parental alienation is a term that is used usually in a divorce or separation situation where one parent is more the abuser and wants to get back at that other parent. In my case, I was threatened. Don't you dare divorce me. You know, if you divorce Mm -hmm. me, I'll take your house, your your money, your children, you know, and he did just that. And so, and, and a person who is engaged in parental alienation, they, they very subtly, it's, it's, uh, it's not usually very overtly, but they get the children, whether they're young or whether they're adults to align with them. And they, they kind of almost brainwash them with outlandish lies or half truths. It doesn't matter if, you know, your kids, like in my case, my kids were in their twenties and thirties and, you know, they still, uh, even though they had life experiences, um, that would prove otherwise, they believed some false narratives. And so really it's a campaign of denigration that one parent does, you know, a mother or a father, um, against the other parent to get back at them. You know, they've already taken mm-hmm. everything that is important to them and now they're going to take the children. And um, because it's so unnatural for a dad or mom, you know, to all of a sudden lose their loving relationship with their kids. So, you know, it's it's meant to hurt the parent, which it does. It's extremely heart-wrenching and it takes uh, a lot to understand and heal from this. I don't know if you ever heal from it, but the thing is, it's the children who really. Yeah, that's 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 what I was thinking too. I mean, the 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 kids that have to go through that. You're you're turning one parent against the other. It's it's awful. And then there's also Russ a phenomenon called independent thinker phenomenon, which is where the children believe it's their idea that they separated from that one parent. It's almost mm. kind of like if you've heard the Stockholm syndrome scenario where it was right. a bank robbery in, in Sweden and the, the bank tellers actually aligned, you know, and were sympathetic to the bad guys, you know, to the right. to the bank right. robbers um, and their plight. And so that's kind of what happens with children. Psychologically, there's a term called splitting, where in order to survive this horrendous situation, they just have to compartmentalize and kind of split in their personality. So they align with the parent that doesn't give the unconditional love, that is actually very controlling and doesn't foster independence. And they could be fearful for them, but they turn the scenarios around. All those emotions are actually acted out towards the the loving, empathetic parent who is just, has always been there for them. And, uh, you know, they know that their love is is to the moon and back. And, and so in some ways, we're the chosen ones, the targeted parents. But it's it's a devastating situation all around. It's something I've experienced. And, and you know, millions and millions of people around the world have experienced this. If And I would encourage your listeners, if they really want to look into parental alienation more, just, just 
type that into a search engine and, and right. see what comes up. You'll come up with a lot of books and podcasts and research. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beautiful things about today. There are podcasts out there. There's YouTube videos out there. There's all of this information at your fingertips around trauma. There's so many like books out there that, where you could learn more and there's entire podcasts dedicated to it. I mean, on this podcast, we've covered intergenerational trauma, narcissism, <laughs> I've yeah. covered a divorce, and hopefully it's impacting at least somebody out there. And and so I, I appreciate you you being able to tell your story. And I'm thinking about people that are perhaps in this. You went 27 years and you said like the red flags were easier to see once you were out of it. What were some of those red flags in that relationship that that perhaps people should be looking out for? Well, there's many, and it can vary, of course, with people. And then the people who are abusing that are not very genuine people or honest people, they are also on a spectrum. So they can be severe or they can be just mild in, in their behaviors and actions. But some of the red flags are that you are gaslit. So gaslighting is where you're made to believe that you heard something wrong, you didn't see what you saw, you question your own reality about what happened because the the abuser very purposely instills doubt in in your abilities. They will actually even gaslight you. Another way they'll do that is they'll they'll question your taste in clothes or food or friends or music, or just, you know, anything that is part of who you are, that you feel good about. They want to knock it down, but they do it in such a subtle way that, you know, um, and, and oftentimes it's under the cloak of care, like, oh, I really am concerned for you. I just don't think you should really hang out with this person because, you know, they are not so good when really they could be your best friend. It could be great, but they just want to isolate you. So, Gaslighting is one. Isolation is another red flag where you slowly realize that your support system is is not as big as it used to be. You know, so at at one point you could go to family members or friends and have their support or neighbors. uh, But then you slowly find that you, you know, are isolated from these people. And so you don't have the support system. You're kind of left on your own. You know, another another thing would be, you know, infidelities. Most most people that, you know, are abusers, um, you know, are not honest people. And they kind of have a they call it a harem closet, you know, or a harem garage where they they've lined up their old boyfriends or girlfriends or relationships, you know, to keep, you know, in the on the the back burner so that when something kind of goes south, they can go back to these people. Lots of times the you know, after a divorce situation, you will see the the one kind of more abusive partner go right back to their high school girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, or or right back to a, a work relationship or that will they'll, they'll move on so fast, you know, when when, you know, you're left like, wow, how did that happen? You know, I thought we were, you know, we made a vow to be together forever and in you know, so I, I another red flag is infidelities. You know, if you if you find that your partner is working late all the time and they're gone all the time um, when maybe their job doesn't even require it, they might even go on business trips. You know, out of town, um, they they um, 
get very nervous around holidays. They kind of ruin holidays for you, you know, in many ways. They, you know, joyful celebrations, whether it's birthdays or, you know, Christmas or things like that. They, they, you know, you, you almost end up dreading those because they, they make it so such a negative, painful, you know, experience because, you know, you have certain expectations that, you know, you'll be together and, and enjoy things as a family, but, you know, they have other things in mind. You know, another thing is to, you know, finances, um, you know, people that are abusers are very money obsessed, you know, and I would say a majority of them are very fiscally irresponsible. You know, they don't uh, pay their bills or they don't, they get other people to pay their bills or they are constantly juggling money from one account to another, whether it's very large sums or whether it's small sums, but it just the whole, you know, if you find that you've, you've, there's just a lot of issues around money. That's something to kind of sit back and pay attention to. And, you know, I am definitely guilty of being, you know, blindly handing over a paycheck for decades and, you know, just assuming that my partner had our family's interests in mind. But, you know, no, these people could have addictions that they are, you know, whether it's pornography or gambling or substance abuse, you know, they, they, lots of them have, addictions, you know, they can even be addicted to their phone. If you see them, you know, having secret passcodes and, and not letting you see a text or something, or if they go out to the mail or get a package and immediately put it away, you know, um, it's just something to start paying attention to, but so many of us ignore all of these things, but those are some of the red flags to kind of pay attention to. So it would be like gaslighting, isolation, money manipulation, um, infidelities and everything that goes along with that, addictions, um, you know, and just, just um, you know, sit back and kind of look and say, are, are these people honest? Are they being so, honest? You know, I mean, the, the, the hard thing would be, and I think, you know, there's uh, thinking about different personality types, right? Like, one type, let's say, you know, would want to just care for that person and kind of go in deeper to, to like take that kind of role of like, I really like, there's more and more problems here. I need to step in. I need to help even more and more and more. Like, and and it's almost like that's the type of person that's getting taken advantage of in in these situations. Like, what do you do if, if you're that person where you're, you're just, being taken advantage of and, and and you don't even realize it just because it's it's your personality type it's how you are right and actually so many victims are chosen because of that personality type because they are loving they are empathetic they are forgiving they're mm-hmm. people that will stick it out through thick or thin um and and these abusers know that I guess when you eventually realize, hey, you're not dealing with someone who has the same values, you really need to to sit back and pay a little bit more attention to the dynamics of your relationship. You know, some relationships, you you know, and people are willing to work on it and kind of work together, but a whole great number of them are not. Once you realize someone has some of these narcissistic borderline, sociopath, psychopath, personality traits. Of course, they're never diagnosed. I mean, they don't die. They don't seek a yeah. diagnosis and they don't right. think anything's wrong with them. They're the kind of people that point <laughs> the, the fingers at other people. 
Um, I think that when you, you know, that, that it's not good to point your finger at the other person because, you know, you're pointing one finger at them and there's three fingers pointing back at you. So you need to kind of look at yourself and, you know, not necessarily change who you are, your core values. Um, I believe I'm still the same person I always was, except for being a little bit more discerning about who I let in my life now and what relationships I want to continue with. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, it, this is for many people, you know, the last couple of years and especially now, it's a time where people are really evaluating and reevaluating their relationships with people. You know, our world has kind of been turned upside down and we're all Mm -hmm. having to adjust to so many different changes. And, you know, many of us are finding, hey, some of these friendships that we had are not necessarily healthy or they could be one sided or that they are not positive. But yet there's some other people that you could gravitate with that you are more, you know, like minded with. So so I think that some of it is, you know. Stay true to your values, but be a little bit more discerning, but also kind of look within your own life, you know, go back to your to your own childhood experiences with your own family unit and see, gosh, where there's some dysfunction there, too. You know, what makes, you know, the empathetic person such an overgiver or so accepting that they will continue to take it and take it and take it without breaking so I think that you you have to do some of the inner work. But the biggest advice that I would give is is research, 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 because knowledge is power. Like you mm-hmm. said, you know, in this day and age, we can just put in a topic in a search engine and get whatever it. you want to learn about. It's there. Almost anything. <laughs> you know, and yeah. you have to do a little bit of your own homework as far as, you know, mm-hmm. finding who you resonate with as far as their message and that type of thing. But there's lots of information out there. And and I think people that have gone through this and have gotten through maybe the worst of it, a lot of people turn their experiences around to help inspire others who might be going through these hard things. So like, for example, in my case, I want to live a happy, you know, peaceful life. Now, I did move from the Chicago area to the Caribbean, um, partly to get away from the abuser, but partly just to live the, the second half of my life where I would like to and just, you know, fulfill mm-hmm. some of my own dreams and surround myself with goodness and nature and, and that type of thing. But I have found writing, well. has, <laughs> writing has been extremely helpful. So, I, you know, I put out, like you said, that three book series, True Deceit, False Love, that, that provides actual tangible tools for others that are going through this, you know. So, so people that find themselves coming out the other end of all of this, turn their experiences around. Many of them are compelled to, to talk about it, never smearing the people or, or, you know, slandering anyone, but just, you know, sharing their truthful experiences to help aid another person who might be right. going through this. Right. Well, you mentioned, you know, the alienation earlier, like they, they may not have other people that they can turn to in, you know, their circle that they can talk to about this because they've, you know, been pulled away from them. And there's that, a lot of shame sorry. involved too, um, right. you know, and, and there's a lot of misconceptions, you know, there are people that will say, how could your 20 year old child, you know, cut, you know, just estranged from you, you must have done something terrible mm-hmm. 
to, to make them stop communicating with you. And actually, that statement couldn't be further from the truth because that's not what happens with alienation. Although the, the, the young and adult children believe that, you know, they start to believe that own narrative that, that, you know, oh, that parent was so bad, even though they, they don't really have the facts to back up, you know, and, and even if you have scrapbooks with photos and, you know, family videos to show, hey, wait a minute, it was not so bad. You know, this is what you're saying didn't actually happen. It's it's uh, until they actually get to a certain point in their life where they might experience their own trauma. Sometimes, unfortunately, their light bulb doesn't go on until they're older and have families of their own or, you know, uh, realize that they've been in a relationship with a friend or a partner that, right. you know, has different values. So, so light bulbs don't go on necessarily in a timely manner. In fact, I'm, I'm 60 years old and, and, you know, I, I love both of my parents. Uh, my mom passed away many years ago, but my light bulb kind of went on about their dynamics and how mm. unhealthy that was. And, you know, I was a product of divorce and, you know, I, I am starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And unfortunately, my mom, whose story is very similar to mine, did not have search engines to type in, okay. you know. Uh, what's happening here, you know, and there wasn't as much research or open dialogue. And in fact, in her generation, or even the generation before, the way to handle it is silence, don't talk about it, you know? <laughs> right, uh, right. Yeah, and it, it, it'll go away, but we just don't acknowledge the bad things, just put on that happy face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that cycle that you're talking about. It, it, it seems like it's it's right. been passed to your kids by by yeah. your ex, right? And that's right. that's that's awful. It's the comp the dynamics of the whole thing. So you know, I don't really, even though like with parental alienation, you really can place blame on one person. Not that I'm out to place blame on anyone, but there's usually just one. It's it's not necessarily oh, it takes two to tango. That's not the case when it comes to yeah. parental alienation. It is real child abuse and it is really done by one malevolent dad or mom. And, and then of course, extended family members can get, you know, involved right. in this and grandparents can be alienated mm. as well. Usually when a kid, when, when a young or an adult child estranges from the one loving parent that now they believe they should fear and that they hate, they've been taught to hate. They cut off the relationship also with that entire side of the family. So that is very, very common. So even though they might have been close with cousins, aunties, uncles, you know, um, grandparents, those relationships are ended as well. Right. They're cut off at the same time. If this person is alienating and convincing all of these other people, in, in many ways, brainwashing the kids, brainwashing family members and alienating the other person, the, the victim from everyone else, what does that do in court when you're going through the divorce? Doesn't that make it where it's really tough to make the case as the victim on this? I, it, you would think it would be, it would be difficult. I, I believe it's very difficult. And, you know, 
how nice you haven't had experience with it. And actually, I haven't had experience with parental alienation in court because when I chose to divorce my abuser, my children were older. Okay. So I didn't have yeah, to, yeah. I personally didn't have to deal with custody issues. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh. unfortunately, so many courts, lawyers and guardian at litems and therapists, people that in judges, that they don't have a clue about narcissism or parental alienation. And because the abuser is so calm, cool, and collected in court. In fact, they love court. Court is their playground. Right. They love that chaos and that drama and that interaction. And they love the fact that they are causing their ex-partner to be financially destroyed as well as emotionally destroyed. Yeah. So, so the, the court situation is, does not always work out. There are many wonderful fathers that have lost all custody of their beautiful children because their ex-wife made up false allegations, like even mm-hmm. saying sexual abuse or something that of course this father never would have engaged in, but yet he, he, a judge believed him and, you know, right. they, they, so they award full custody to the, the alienator, which is the absolute worst thing that you can do. And, and there's only a few, a few programs out there for reunification of, of kids that have been younger kids that have been alienated. And I, you know, I don't know the data on that or whether it's successful, but it's gotta be awful to do, to be engaged in court, you know, abusers, yeah. It, they they love co- the court drama. In fact, I filed for divorce. I'll just share something personal here. I filed for divorce in 2013. So it's almost a decade later and my ex-husband is still taking me to court oh my because God. They, they just want to destroy you financially. It doesn't matter whether Jeez. they lie on petitions, you know, they, they get lawyers to believe this and they just love the whole drama of it all. Now I'm, so, I, I, you, of course you have to respond because, you know, even if it's all lies, there's a petition against you, but they want you in this defensive Mm. mode and they, they want to steal your happiness and your joy and, and your time and definitely your money. And so, you know, I try to compartmentalize that because I'm living a beautiful life. And, you know, even though right now, currently my life is without my children, I, I still am a mom. I'm still role modeling that when you're faced with challenges, you know, there are different ways you can respond. I just choose to respond with love, honesty, and goodness. And, you know, at some point, truth has to prevail at some point. Hopefully right. it's in this lifetime. It's weird to say this, um, but, you know, it's, it's an inspirational story. And it's not the, the the lead up to things, but it's the way that you've handled it and the things that you've done that's so inspiring. I mean, you're uh, we're we're on camera right now, so I can see. I mean, you've got a beautiful backdrop. It's it's nice and sunny. You're in the Caribbean, as you say. I mean, yeah. like, that's beautiful. You're writing these books. You're doing something you love, and you're smiling and you're happy, and you want to help others. I mean, I, I think right. that part of this is so inspirational. How did you do that? How did you take this awful situation that you were in and all these things that happened to you and and turn it into inspiration? Well, you know, I've always approached challenges with 
goodness and love and honesty and and looking at it. And I did have kind of a spiritual awakening as as a result, which prompted me to write the spiritual fiction, God Came to My Garage Sale. So I I expanded my belief system and and I really believe we're here on earth to learn lessons. And we really can't appreciate the positive and the light and the goodness without experiencing the dark and and seeing the difference between the two. And so many of us have experienced that in the last couple of years, whatever every people's, whether their work, family, health situation, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of challenges. But how we choose to respond, I think, is is very, very important. And I think that what you put out there in the universe is what you get back. So if I was someone who was negative and angry and revengeful, first of all, I don't think I'd have a a very enjoyable life, but I would be putting all that darkness out there in the world. And that would color what, what my experiences are. I wouldn't be able to fully enjoy life and be happy. So I just believe that, you know, we can all be faced with challenges. And we're, we're talking about domestic violence, narcissistic abuse, parental alienation here, toxic relationships. But there are so many other kinds of things that are negative that people are going through. But how you choose to handle them makes a difference. And, and I found also pursuing my passions, trying to get back to me a little bit. Like what, what did I like to do before I had all my interests and stuff knocked down? How do I want to enjoy my time? And, and definitely for me, writing was very, very healing, even though I, I kind of, it's not that I see an end to the writing, but now that I've got this true deceit, false love book series out and, you know, people have been interested like you and others that are, you know, having me on podcasts to talk about these very important issues. I'm happy to still do that. But at some point, surviving this experience is is hopefully uh, coming not to an end, but to another chapter where I, I can spend less time kind of sorting it all out and more time living. But I think that our inner core values are very important. And I think that also following your gut intuition, you know, um, I ignored my gut intuition for so many years that said, Hey, get out of this situation or this, this best friend is really not a best friend. She's just, um, you know, power hungry or controlling or whatever, you know, actually you, you find that some people that you thought were very close to you actually would betray you with no problem. And and so you have to come to terms and say, why did I allow that to happen? And hey, I'm not going to let that happen again. So let me take care of myself. And I think also just physically taking care of yourself is important. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, people that have been abused find themselves, you know, um, with poor health or that they just really didn't, you know, do things to encourage healthy living when it comes to eating and sleeping and, and exercising and how they want to spend their time. So, so in this situation, it seems like trust was a big thing. Trust with other people, trust in relationships. How, how is that now for you? I mean, is it, is it more difficult for you to have relationships even to like make friends? Is it, is it harder now? You know, it's not hard to make friends and to have relationships and be friendly with others. 
but it is a little different for me now as far as letting them into my world, into my personal circle. So yes, I'm much more discerning now. So yes, it has impacted trust. And I have found that a lot of people who have never experienced parental alienation or domestic abuse don't don't get it. And it's not that you can't have a relationship with them, but you have deeper relationships with others that that have gone through this and do understand it. There's a, a more of a connection with people. And I've been thrilled to make some amazing connections. And you could go on my website and look at my books at all the people that have endorsed my books. And many of them have become good friends now, you know, that because we have so many values in common. But I was also very lucky that after I divorced, I became closer with a very good friend of mine. And he and I just connected on so many levels, not only spiritually, but just also understanding family dynamics and understanding interactions with others. And, and then, um, so so I have a life partner now that we decided together to move to the Caribbean. So I'm extremely fortunate to be nice. spending my days with someone I trust, I have fun with, who's has the same kind of values. And honesty is is the biggest value that that I have, I believe, you know, and love to me is the biggest vibration. So I'm very fortunate that, you know, not only do I have even though I have a smaller circle of friends, they're more um, they're more in tune with with who I am, and and the it's more of a reciprocal friendship where it's mm-hmm. not just one sided. And then I also right. have my life partner to enjoy my days with. Well, Marnie, it's always great to do an interview like this where I walk away and I feel like after talking to you, I feel like I'm going to have a great day. Yeah, yeah. I I really do, you know, appreciate you telling your story. I I strongly suggest if you're listening to this and you want to further learn more about it, then you're going to want to check out the books and you're going to want to head over to your website. Can you tell us your your website and also uh, tell us, just remind us about the books a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. So my website is the title of my spiritual fiction. God came to my garage And I actually have like, I think 11 books under my belt. So, so uh-huh. a number of the books I've been involved in are anthology books uh, where I contribute a chapter or an essay. That's awesome. Well, Marnie, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story and for helping us learn more about toxic relationships. Well, thank you so much. It's just been an honor to be here. And thank you for listening and subscribing to learning more. We encourage you and thank you for rating this podcast and sharing it with your friends. As with any podcast that gives medical or legal opinion, the information is not meant to substitute professional advice. And we encourage you to consult a professional to discuss your exact needs. I also invite you to join me next week where we are going to learn more about quitting. Okay, so this one is like perfect for the topics that we've had over the last couple of weeks. We talked about career burnout, right? Like when do you leave that job? How do you deal with those emotions and feelings around leaving that job? And then today, we talked about toxic relationships. How do you know when to leave? How can you like feel good about leaving? 
and know that something positive is on the other side of that. We're going to talk about that next week. It's a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to share that one with you. If you'd like to learn more about something specific, hey, you know what? This show can be yours, essentially. (laughs) Just let us know what you would love to learn more about, and it can become an entire episode. You can do so by heading over to learningmorepodcast.com. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I'm Russ, and I look forward to learning more with you next time.